2: It's Shake Them Ropes, Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrino, Bobo the Wonder Monkey on the board. If you like ranty Jeff Hawkins, you are going to get yourselves some ranty Jeff Hawkins today. He's been threatening
1: me with this all through the pre-show. <laughs> He's just like,
2: I'm going to rant.
1: I'm going to talk over you. Get ready for it. Buckle in, Novembrino. Sit down and shut up. I'm going to make your life horrible after... After, ladies and gentlemen, Christopher Brino here, uh, getting ready to strap in. After outing me to my personal hero, my lord and liege, Eric Watts, trying to get Eric <laughs> Watts... To go on high wattage. Last week, of course, I talked about how there's an ongoing conspiracy where you try to pull the strings of society, government, any other thing that you can get your, your filthy, grubby little paws on, any lever you can pull. And this week, you go after Eric Watts, Jeff. Explain yourself.
2: I didn't, uh, I, I was hoping for cross-promotion. That Eric Watts would go on High Wattage and get high and drunk with you to watch Eric Watts. I mean, like, I I was
1: really trying to consider, like, Eric Watts actually coming on High Wattage. You've heard the theme song to High Wattage. It is like, I don't know (laughs) that I'd be thrilled about that theme
2: song. No, I look, this will be a show on the WWE Network once I am made in charge of it. I am positive. Well, see, that'd that'd be great. I I will host
1: a higher production version of High Wattage.
2: Yeah. I I was just shooting my shot and thought maybe maybe he might respond. Wait, somebody's interested in my matches? Okay, great. Uh, I
1: mean, like, Uh, I might be... He's
2: not active.
1: Yeah, he's not active. (laughs) and, And I might be, like... M- maybe America's number one Eric Watts connoisseur, for, namely because no one else is even attempting to go for that mantle. <laughs> but
2: I mean, uh, hold, on. hold on, that is a niche, niche entertainment genre, right? Yeah. That well, I've been for, I've been
1: covering wrestling for a long time. As you know, I believe that the the criticism is almost as much of an art form as the art itself. Sometimes even more so. <laughs> Um and, and when it comes to Eric Watts, uh yeah, I'm just passionate, man. I'm just passionate.
2: See, and I think that passion would shine through and you two could become fast friends, and he might he might drop some knowledge on you. I thought it'd be a good show oh, idea. Man, the, maybe, if you could show
1: me the pistols move, Cause this is that pistols move is cool.
2: The resurrect the Patreon type of gimmick. Uh you know, I was just looking out for you. I'd be great. People might pay to listen to Eric Watts. He might. Uh, I, I'm going to do the most self-indulgent thing I've ever done on this show.
1: Oh, re- oh really? <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good God.
2: <laughs> Chris, today starts my campaign, and I am quite serious about this. There's a job opening. Manager, platform editorial WWE, Peacock. That's right. I want to be made head of the WWE's platform on Peacock. Now, I'm reading through the responsibilities. The description of this thing is like, uh, we're looking, we're We're growing our team of smart, hungry and upbeat doers who crave the chance to build something new at the epicenter of content, et cetera, et cetera. So if you can name all of Mick Foley's characters or know why Charlotte Flair claims to be born to conquer, you should come smell what the peacock is cooking. All right. That doesn't bring me in necessarily.
1: Who who is Charlotte Flair? (laughs)
2: Uh, but, look, I like this concept of the WWE Network. I realize I'm going to have to put a lot of my criticisms in check. I'm adult enough to do that, but I'm also not a fanboy. I think this is a nice little wrestling museum history of wrestling, but I realize I also have to push the main product. I kind of want to make this thing, and here, here's my sales pitch, kid. So if anybody knows anybody from Peacock on the managerial side who will talk to me so I don't get stuck in a keyword resume bank that won't spit out anything. I'm making my pitch here. I think I can get their demo of 50 plus back and watching it. I think I can help promote their current product. I'm going to get that thing curated. I am going to get every wrestler in that whole bank of videos, alphabetized with aliases and everything else. Here are the responsibilities. Create and maintain the WWE homepage. Think I can do that. Schedule video on demand promotions in sync with the entire WWE linear programming slate. I am here for that. I am here to have current talent watching the network with them and commenting and all these other things and making it an immersive, interactive experience. I am here for that. Assist in the creation of collections, copy, and metadata for WWE assets. Yes. Please, I want watch lists. I want to curate days with themes. I want a flashback day. I want a pay-per-view day. I want an Attitude Era day. I want a Current Thing day. I want Biography day. I want special collections when people pass away, up and running. I, you know, I want all of that. Give that to me. Identify curation opportunities to expand visibility of long-form and short-form content. Yes, I'm in coordinate asset delivery with internal and external teams to ensure timely promotion i've managed law firm departments i think i can do this analyze data to make educated decisions on curation tactics i'm here for that project ma- or project manage live streams of key events throughout the year okay yes i will do that i'm here for all the advertising and marketing you your heart's content because hey i took advertising classes as well i can do this Problem comes a little bit with the qualifications but let me let me make my case Mr. Novembrino to a willing jury a jury at least 3 years of experience managing title operations or publishing at a large scale editorial e-commerce or video service I do not have I admit this but once you get in there and I have product knowledge if you can manage one thing you can usually manage another thing fairly well if you're good with people and you're willing to learn what product you're working on those are the two keys to management is knowing people versus process and knowing what you actually do for a living demonstrate ability to manage an ever-changing content pipeline seven days a week I'm here for that excellent writing and presentation skills got that in spades the ability to manage a small team and work closely with a variety of other teams again I've managed departments in large law firms I think I could handle demanding stuff A history of establishing KPIs and targets and then working to hit those goals. That's MBA gobbledygook. All right, KPI. What what was KPI? I forgot what it was. It's uh, KPI metrics is... Kilometers per hour. (laughs) It's known... uh, uh, Key performance indicators. That's what it was. Yes. Okay, fine. We're setting goals for it, but that's not the point. The point is to make the network cool so people come in and watch it, and then you can hit your KPIs. You're going to have all these media geeks that are applying for this job from, like, a baseball network or whatever. Oh, we can get eyeballs and key performance indicators indicate that women watch this at this specific time. Blah, blah. No. Make the entire product cooler, and people will come to watch it. How about that? You know, and I can make this network cooler. I don't have any control over WWE, but I can make this network cooler. Even if it's it's only a few eyeballs and even if there's only a limited number of wrestling fans. Why? Because I have a big network of wrestling fans I listen to on Twitter. I've been on multiple networks for their broadcasting. I will listen to wrestling fans. I will listen to WWE fans. And that's the thing I bring to this, Chris, is that on this podcast, you and I have both talked about, we know that there is a difference between the WWE fan and what the wrestling fan wants. I want to commingle those two things together. That is my goal for this network. Next thing, a passion for, for professional wrestling, sports, news, television, and movies. Duh. I got that. <laughs> Ab- ability to work at 30 Rockefeller Plaza, New York, or Universal City, Los Angeles. Universal City is a mile and a half for me. I'll go work in your office. I will, I will live in the cubicle zoos of corporate America. Just give me this shot. Give me this shot. I don't, know. I don't know how to get through Human Resources' crappy resume banks to get there. I'm going to try and craft a resume this weekend. I'm going to have to put Wrestling Podcaster because I'm a geek on there probably to get through it, to it. But if you guys know somebody on the management side of Peacock or know somebody who might know somebody, get them to have an informal chat with me because this is a job I can do. This is a job I have a passion for. This is I will make that network good for even the most jaded wrestling fan and even the most casual fan. I will have cross-promotions across the board with other NBC properties to try and make it cooler and do my damnedest, do my damnedest, to do something with this entire library of video that Vince McMahon saw nothing in, that George Berrios and... and and his part, I forget the woman's name, they thought that this was going to be magic, and Vince saw it, liked it for a little bit, thought it was something they should do, and then forgot completely about it, did nothing with it, just threw a bunch of crap up there and said, go find it for yourselves. I'm going to make that thing so user-friendly, so accessible to even the most casual of wrestling fans, and I'm going to make it fun. That's the other thing I want to do. I want to make this network fun. I want to get it curated. I want to get I want to get it organized so that people like me or Nove want to watch a bunch of Vader matches. We can watch a bunch of Vader matches. Damn it! I want this job. If you can help me in any way, in any way, I know it'll be the end of this podcast. But for some, that's a blessing.
1: <laughs> Please. I Get might keep it going and- just out of spite. You don't, you don't know <laughs> how I go. I, I kind of blow with the wind. I do my own thing, and I'm bad at quitting. Rob
2: McCarron and Rob McCarran and Chris M- <laughs> Novembrino will come back and, and do this podcast. I cared because because this is actually almost the same kind of job that Rob went out for. I forget the name of the network offhand, but I remember it had like Olympic sports and drum and bugle competitions but he was going to be the head of the pro wrestling platform and then he found out the whole business plan was terrible and he dodged a bullet thank god because i think they went out of business like the next week but yes people i want to run your wwe platform on peacock get at me chris any kind of snarker jokes you want on that i'm sorry i've ranted for a while but i warned you the floor is yours
1: no, no, it, it it's fine. Um, I I don't really have anything to add on it, and I don't want st-
2: to. I've also promised to hire you for a job. You. Th-
1: that's master. true, <laughs> so you and, and so I smart. didn't want to like step on what was uh, was a heartfelt and earnest, um, beseeching of the Peacock Network. You will
2: call me sir.
1: Damn it. Yeah, and, and Jeff has long wanted to be. My boss and often talks to me <laughs> pre show in that context um and will get, like once you get into management, you just view <laughs> everyone as subordinates that's my understanding he's
2: mad with power that's yeah yeah sure.
1: it, but like as far as a person who's not my boss but treats me like a boss, I would say Jeff's pretty good um and and he's a good he's a good manager of people, even though he's not my manager but treats me like he is
2: it's because i've worked in businesses where they manage process over people and a lot. they fail oh god i i'm in a business like that now because as as many of you know who follow me on twitter the, the my my project partner got fired on tuesday and we are going live on a project and it's because it's because the big boss i think just has a bit of a temper issue at times I it, I don't know what he may have done something wrong, but he was new to project management type stuff. But at the same time in my ears is our kickoff for the main company. And I'm hearing things like, you know, here we're, we're a family. Oh like, no, really?
1: <laughs> that is, I'm that's like, a trigger. Really? That's a trigger phrase for Jeff and I like uh, another one for me is thanks for all that you do, especially if it's accompanied with multiple exclamation points. Like, yeah, I'm like, my yeah. mom
2: never fired me, and if we're a family, I must be working for, like, the crazy uncle and aunt who we're afraid are going to come to the reunion because they drink a little too much, and then they start telling the family what they really think about them. You know, that's... <laughs> but... This is a perfect segue for rant number two. Well, get ready, people! Oh my god! Because
1: I, I was a... gonna try to get—I oh. was gonna try to get one more lick in on this. I, I just no, no, go, go, oh, go! Okay, go Thank get a you. Lick I'm gonna please. get my lick in. Thank you. Uh, all I want to say to Peacock, uh, if Peacock is listening, one, you look fabulous today. Uh, but t- <laughs> two, uh, I really think that Jeff and, to a lesser extent, myself, would be able to make this network and this awesome like assemblage of wrestling history something that people of all ages could really enjoy. I, I think that between Jeff and myself, we do have a pretty good understanding. Being here at Voices of Wrestling for, both of our cases, almost a decade now, uh, however long Voices of Wrestling has been around is basically however long Jeff and I have been around on Voices of Wrestling. Um, by doing that and spending all this time and watching all this wrestling load these many years, Jeff and I have a pretty good, and I would say a unique perspective, um, that you can go on to indeed.com and search for keywords in marketing, but there is no substitute for literally spending hours on whatever it is, whether you're trying to learn an instrument or you want to get good at writing about a given subject or be knowledgeable on a given subject. And Jeff and I have logged the hours when it comes to professional wrestling.
2: That was very good, Chris. Now get my coffee. It...
1: <laughs> I, th- at least twice an episode, I like to say something earnest. Um, and then the rest of the time, I just hide behind a veil of jokes.
2: Yeah, that's me all the way. Uh, but speaking of... Bad corporate management and (laughs) doublespeak? My one news item comes from today, late today. I was struggling for news, and and then it was handed to me like a gift because I'm still a bit ragey from what happened at my job this week. Fightful has learned that there was a major meeting with WWE today with several employees ending up upset. Many were told by the company that they wouldn't be provided promotions, raises or bonuses. This left low morale for those in the meeting which involved members of production, the office and other departments. WWE has reported increasing revenue despite the pandemic. We're told that this was done for the employees, not talent or not a talent or wrestler meeting. Now, let's let's flash back all the way to I don't know, last week where we're on a Q4 call where we are promoting how much money we made. The WWE was its most profitable year ever. Ever. Let me say that again. Ever. And they just sold their network, which they didn't think too highly of, to take care of it, to NBC for a billion dollars with a B on it. That is a B. And now you're going to have the, pardon my French. The balls, to bring your company employees out here and just look at them with this sad face and go, well, you know, guys, we live in troubled times and times are tight. Yeah, right is, now, th- these
1: and, are these are uncertain gosh. economic times.
2: <laughs> what we really need to do is remember that we are a, this WWE is a family, family, and that if. You know what, guys? Short-term sacrifices right now will help the longevity of this company for years to come, and it'll be something that, that your children will have for their amusement. Can you, ima- can you imagine the amount of rage as as people mute their Zoom while they're, while they're going, where you're just... You know what would be even worse is like Vince McMahon gets up in front, and like, pulls his pockets inside yeah, out. Yeah. Guys, he, no goes, shape mono- in he there. goes
1: monopoly guy on you. Yeah.
2: Yes. <laughs> and just shrugs his shoulders. This company last week on the call last week they on the call, were so proud of themselves. Engagement. Yeah. Oh. And I had a situation like this. My first law firm job during the economic downturn of 07-08. They decided to cut half the accounting department, a lot of secretaries, they got rid of senior partners who were providing guidance to other attorneys and to our professional responsibility committee because they weren't bringing in the revenue. They were just sucking up everybody else's cash. And what they do is they get rid of all these people and then they start marketing themselves to law schools and other attorneys they had their most profitable year ever because they were going by the metric profit per partner. And so all they did was, instead of, you know, letting the work come back to them or whatever, there was no drop-in law firm work, really, when a business kind of goes down. You know, it kind of stayed the same. What they decided to do instead was, well, let's eliminate the overhead, and then we could just say everybody's making more money. And look, I'm not... (laughs) I'm not... uh anti-capitalist. By any means. Any, any means. I just hate. I hate when you're making more money than you've ever made before, and you plead poverty. At least say, hey, we're being jerks about this, but screw you, go make your own company. Do something like that. Don't give me the song and dance. Oh, you know what? We're in a real tough time here. We don't know what the future holds, so we can't really you know, give you guys... I mean, we're, we're in review time for members of the WWE. And it's just, it's, we had that too at the law firm. They go, well, we're going to cancel, we're going to cancel this year's uh, review bonus if you were going to get one. And we're going to shift it over and combine that with the quote unquote Christmas bonus you were getting. And we're going to combine it into one bonus. But we're going to start that at, and this was in, I think, June. We're going to start that at February of next year. So basically they didn't have to pay anybody bonuses or give anybody a raise either. It's all BS. These people are full of it. They should be ashamed of themselves. They should be ashamed of dancing to the beat of, look how many profits, how many profits. I would have so much more
1: respect for them if they just said, you know what? We made made record profits last (laughs) year during the pandemic when we asked all of you to work despite the risks and we're keeping all of it. That at least would be honest. It'd be greedy. That's the other. It thing. would be evil, oh, Chris. That's just... But but it at least would be honest.
2: Oh, Chris, that's such a great point. These people were risking their health to come in to work for this maniac <laughs> who might be my boss. No, WWE doesn't have any control. No, over I, that and actor. that's it's part. No, that's
1: part of the reason why I think the peacock thing, like why we even want to do it, is like we would not yes. be part of WWE corporate because like. Even my own kind of periphery interactions with WWE, the proper business, um, has never made me want to go and pursue. After I left the one company, it's never made me want to pursue a deeper relationship with World Wrestling Entertainment. Um, though my yeah, yeah
2: I think the what if occasionally, like the writing jobs come up and you go, man, maybe I could do a packet this time. that I'll knock their socks off. But at the same time, then you
1: watch the week to week and it doesn't matter because like that's not what your writing yeah. would be.
2: Yeah, and then you realize, you know, the shirt and tie gimmick, which ain't my thing necessarily. I could do it. I could swallow crap for a while. I know how to swallow crap. My life's been swallowing crap. I know how to do this. I know how to play the game. I can put on a brave face and then I'd come on here and I'd rant. No, I couldn't do the thing if I was tired, but I'd find some outlet to rant about morons probably dms yeah i was just saying you
1: yell at me in the dms is is what this sounds like i'd have a
2: would have a on on my burner phone because i know that they sometimes check your phone to make sure you're doing oh no i'm getting a burner but that said look i'd have more respect if you just said hey we're being selfish (laughs) you know whatever you can't
1: but I'm no, sorry. like it's inexcusable people- to not give these people raises just on the basis of they came in and worked their asses off for you this last year during COVID so you could keep wrestling on television. And, yes. like, so you could keep it going. Vince wanted to run WrestleMania live in front of people in April of last year, which is increasingly seems like mm-hmm. an insane move. Um, I did enjoy the Paul Heyman line tonight at the lowest attendance at WrestleMania ever. That was funny. But, <laughs> but, um, you have these, you have all of your employees doing this. Yaman's work to keep things going for Vince. He makes the money. He needs to share the money. And I, I certainly, I can, I guess my issue with the way you don't have to share all of it. You don't it's not all of it, but, tr- like, here's my thing, some. Jeff. We have talked about WWE as a business now for, like, how many years at this point? And, like, the thing about WWE as a corporation, WWE as a business, is, like, they are, like a nightmare capitalism story in so many ways. When it comes to like doing, cu- they did cutbacks going into this pandemic. I think about that, like, yes. like, think about how inexcusable it is. We've, not only can we not give you raises, we fired people. We made record profits. And now we're not giving the people who are left, who are fewer than before we started the pandemic. We're not even giving them raises. Like this is a, a capitalism nightmare story. Uh, it, it is, it's, it's like a caricature, and it is sort of like if you were a person more of an anti-capitalist persuasion, it sh- it's like a textbook example of all of the ills of capitalism, and and all of it roots back to Vince and just that this guy, something's missing inside of him. I don't know what it is, um, but something's just missing in this dude.
2: Your most successful year when you were keeping this thing alive with skeleton crews and people who were sacrificing time from their families and risking their
1: family's health just
2: to keep risking their family's health, just to keep live television going
1: mediocre at best Peac- live television. going
2: <laughs> 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 Not going that far because again, Peacock, but uh, let's, let's put it this way. You've, you've saw, an avenue to go in for an advantage in the market share when nobody else was in production. These people come in and they sacrifice for you. You go and you brag in the media and to anybody else who would hear you out that you had your most profitable year ever. And then we're going to have an all-employee meeting to tell you people to bootstrap up. Up yours. End of rant. Let's take a breath. Chris, I'm going to take a break. Yeah. You can read Yeah, a yeah. Bit.
1: so I I mean it wasn't all that long ago that I worked at a company that uh, frankly, WWE treats them worse, but like I, it's unfortunately uh, too often the case that a company makes insane profits and does not share them with the workers. Uh and at this particular company, it was like we were making 17% of uh or we were earning 17% of what we were making for the company uh which you know was was a horrible deal and these people uh, at WWE I I hope that they consider their options cuz like they they've really broke their back for Vince over this last year it, it, it this is just so gross it really is
2: chris i think it's time i think the jackalopes need an update how slapjack doing
1: All right, Jack Pack, sit down and strap in. It was a bit of a rough week. As you know, Retribution has been embroiled in an ongoing, we'll call it a fracas with the New Day. I think in an earlier take, I might have referred to it as a hullabaloo. Uh, Either way, the point is the New Day has been a bit of a thorn in the side of Retribution here lately. But it's been a big distraction from what's important to me about retribution, which is about pecking order. Um and like this week they had a tag match, New Day wins. Okay, but what where where does that leave Slapjack in the pecking order? Is my question. And and I don't like this New Day pairing because it's distracting us from the important thing, which is that Slapjack's the real leader of retribution. <laughs>
2: Well done, sir. Uh, let's go through the main roster thoughts that we have. Uh, any deep thoughts on Nia and her hole?
1: Yeah, Nia Jax, <laughs> I think once in a generation, a talented wrestler comes through the doors of WWE, and Nia Jax is that. Nia Jax has shown uh, a power and a grace on the microphone and a power and a grace in the ring. And this week, we saw the synthesis of her eloquence and her in-ring elegance with "ow, my hole."
2: I, I want an injury report. <laughs> someone arm, someone leg, bro. Sore she's neck. supposed to
1: have a blown sphincter. What is she doing on SmackDown?
2: Nia Jack's hole, probable.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I want her to like have retention issues like that should be a give. Uh, you can't just do oh my hole and not follow it up IBD
2: go I'm, I'm, as I
1: said blow no I'm saying blown sphincter
2: she <laughs> just can't hold it in oh my no God.
1: yeah, I, I mean like that that was a hell of a fall also I, I gotta say this though on a serious note with that if she keeps I don't think that that's a great spot for her to be doing because like I'm I'm I already see WWE's is already getting fond of this. Let's have Nia take an ass bump on the apron on the corner, and like Nia's not a super like not, you know I'm joking about her being elegant in the ring. She's kind of you know she's shaky. Jeff and I have, have said this multiple times. I don't think it's going to get any better anytime soon. She did not need to be taking this bump.
2: This is in the pantheon of bad ideas with Piggy James and farting natty no i know it may make the old man laugh but this no if you want this person to be your monster no you can't do this i'm sorry i i laughed once let's end this thing this cannot be a running Uh, joke.
1: wait do you think oh my hole was a scripted line or do you i i thought like i thought maybe she really did just like kind of get snared on the ring there
2: you thought that somebody would just randomly yell my hole, not my butt, I, I, not my ass. You thought they'd yell my hole.
1: I don't. It, dude, it's Nia Jax. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I, I, the bar. <laughs> I set the bar low, Jeff. We're talking about Nia Jax.
2: Chris, have you ever heard anybody say, ow, my hole hurts? Ever. Ever
1: ever I, I mean what website what website <laughs> I I take Maybe you to a website home? I, I can take you to a website Jeff no, Yeah I, I can take I you to that website
2: Boy boy I should have known the answer to that question I need to run away from it right now cuz we are still a family show in some ways
1: mm. Um <laughs> we're breaking the family down
2: Oh dear well we are a family here at WWE we just know that Oh my gosh. Oh, this Raw. This this Raw. I am so confused. Because the Elimination Chamber, on its own, is a great vehicle if you didn't have it right after a Royal Rumble where somebody gets a title shot. So now we're going to defend the title in the Elimination Chamber or go for number one contender matches. But on the Raw side, it's a good idea. I'm not going to say it's a bad idea, but it's a good idea if you have... You know, six former world champions all in the elimination chamber. As a concept on paper, it's great. When they're losing on the same raw you're putting them in the chamber in, like, say, Jeff Hardy, or they don't have a lot of tough guy credibility, like The Miz, it doesn't. There's
1: just no building building up of any of these people. It's just little. This is. When I talk about. The writing being lazy or mediocre, an example is now when you're building into something like Elimination Chamber, which I agree with you, is in a stupid place in the calendar, Um, It shouldn't be in between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. It it seems like it should be a big pay-per-view. And one of the reasons it seems like it should be a big pay-per-view is because you want to have all these different world champions. So if I was going to be booking something like Elimination Chamber, I'd want at least a four-week build, ideally a six- or maybe eight-week build, where I'm getting all six of these guys going into the Elimination Chamber looking strong. And part of the issue is the Miz has never been presented particularly strong. Um, But then like Jeff Hardy is is a joke. Like he's, you know, in the, in the middle of the car, like an intercontinental champion. Like when you say he's a former world champion, yeah, but he hasn't been a world champion on this run at any point. Um, And he hasn't been a world champion in this company in a decade. Uh, So you have to build up all of these people and WWE hasn't been particularly interested in writing the week to week television in a way that can sustain and build up six people.
2: Chris, I am going to push back against the criticism that this is a Geritol sponsored elimination chamber because the other five members are all over 40 other than drew. I don't mind that. I think our, Process is yes, but we want them to be ass kickers over the age of 40 who can all go in there. Now, Chris, it's just how
1: you build people, dude. I I mean, yeah, like I'm with you. It's really
2: let me me pose a question to you, Chris Who over the age of 40 is the most protected guy on the WWE roster? I'll, I will, I'll I'll even take away the uh, over the age of 40. Who's the most protected guy other than Roman Reigns on the WWE roster? You know. It's Bobby Lashley.
1: Bobby, okay, all right. All right. Bobby that, Lashley that, is an yeah. ass
2: kicker. Bobby Lashley's over the age of 40. Bobby Lashley's a former world champion. Why is he not in this elimination chamber? Are you kidding me? That would bring a guy like me in. I would be loving that.
1: I, and, he, and Bobby Lashley's been properly built yes. over the last several months where you can just airdrop him in and not have to worry about building him up.
2: And for our other titles, let me get this straight. Matt Riddle loses a match against Keith Lee, and he's put into a triple threat match for the Intercontinental. Is it the Intercontinental or U.S. title? I forget some. Oh, it's the, uh, it's the Intercontinental Champion, Chip, correct? No. Oh, yeah. It's the U.S. Champion. It, whatever the secondary U- belt Yeah, is. It's,
1: it's, the one that, it's the one that Lashley has. It, yes, that's the, the U.S. Belt belt that title.
2: that's the that Lashley has. Okay. The Bond. Lashley title. Charlotte Flair gets for kicking too much ass, the worst disqualification in logical booking. So Lacey Evans is now your number one contender for Oscar, and Chris, I think Ric Flair's gonna cheat Oscar out of this title. Oscar's gonna be in some multi-woman schmas, and Lacey Evans is gonna face Charlotte for this title. I, I don't know. It's just because they like the story and they like Ric Flair, but both these women aren't very likable in the story. You know, there's no, nobody wants to see you all fight for, for the honor of a man who's just been chasing women for decades.
1: I just, Like Ric Flair is just, it's not, it's not fun to no. imagine or watch Ric at this point. It's creepy. Can we say that? Yeah, no, it, the story is creepy. And like, I'll even go this far. He did a good job with the promo. Yes. Um, yeah. It, Wait, it, hold on. There's a good promo, y- but he hasn't <laughs> been in recent years. No, very So like true. that's, yeah, you yeah, know, like it's been shaky as hell in recent years. Um, but it's still like, I don't, he doesn't need to be here and working right now for the coronavirus concerns anyways, but like also like this guy's. Health has been shaky in recent years. I, I don't really like him being in an in-ring role in any capacity.
2: I agree. Uh, I am going to move on to SmackDown unless you have something else on, on Raw.
1: Edge is good. A lot of Edge, but Edge is good.
2: Mm. Edge is on every show, though. because I, oh, I, that's I the they other said thing. a lot of
1: Edge, yeah, the, but Edge is good.
2: I don't know if this is... Oh, Shane McMahon. W- what? Why are we bringing Shane back right now? Is there a reason for that? Or do we just want McMahon's on the TV for ratings because we're afraid they're slipping. Cause that's their cure. Every time
1: that, that is the, it's the in case of glass, bring in the McMahon's as though the McMahon's are a draw. Um, but like, I think that that was not particularly true in the last decade. And I think is now really not true in this decade. Uh, what can like, we
2: throw Shane off of this year? On
1: y- y- Shane and Hunter ten years ago had a different draw power than Shane and Hunter do now.
2: Yeah, I think it's gonna be. I think Adam Pierce is gonna end up in power struggles on both shows and lose. I think this is just a reason to get him off. For some oh reason. yeah,
1: no, he's yeah, no, Adam Pierce is losing that job to Sonya Deville.
2: Yeah, and he's losing the one on Raw too. I bet. I, I just, I, I don't know. I'm. I like Adam Pierce. I just I never I don't, never, I don't him.
1: remember him ever really getting the job. He was it was, you know, just, he was, day, just he, he was just there. He was just there. Yeah, he was just there.
2: Yeah, I, <laughs> I get that. I just but uh I only have three notes for SmackDown tonight. I'll go through them and then I will yield the floor to you because again, I warned you I'd be ranty. I just feel guilty. Uh number one, what is up with Callisto in every single one of these bad Sasha Banks segments? She's talking to Callisto and I know they're friends in real life. Are we ever gonna do anything with Kalisto since we broke him off of the Lucha House Party, or is he just gonna hang out backstage in costume and eat catering, and and never go out?
1: Yeah, I let's... think Kalisto should be her Somalia. <laughs>
2: <laughs> We're gonna get a Reginald versus Kalisto feud. That's why we he broke was, him off. At he the Lucha was doing House like
1: party. a bowler hat thing, you yeah. know, at one point. It was yeah, he was doing like a trophy sort think, of thing. I
2: think I think at this point Kalisto is going. What can I do that I can get away with as an extra on this TV? I know I'm going to wear this hat and I'm going to pretend I'm in Los Ingobernables Smackdown. Along well, with Well, and
1: Sasha is someone who's willing to help him with like subversive stuff like that, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you you stumble upon a gimmick like this, you know? Um so it may it it may not seem like anything right now, and it may well end up not being anything, but Billy Kay's headshot thing wasn't much of a thing at first, right? And, and there have been other gimmicks that have been like that where they have basically been Kind of like throwaway workshopped jokes like uh Drew Gulak in his PowerPoint presentation, which I really loved that gibbick. Uh that was just a throwaway joke that got turned into like a, a thing for a while.
2: Seth Rollins <laughs> Hello, Peter Brady. Seth Rollins returns the entire WWE universe or not the universe, but the roster comes down.
1: No, the crowd the crowd was going wild for him. To too. bring
2: him back to use his newborn baby girl Rue aimed his kid after gravy. Uh, Rue (laughs) Uh, to use it for heel heat. And uh, this is just so lame. It's like, even the heels were like, oh, Oh, Baron Corbin's moral compass was somehow insulted by Seth Rollins coming down and cutting a promo about being the Messiah again and follow the way. And play pinball like me and we'll make a rock opera about it. I I just, I thought this was so.
1: If there's someone who doesn't have a tolerance for a guy with a leader complex, it's King (laughs) Corbin.
2: No, no. All the heels. No, no. Even this, this is my breaking point. Seth Rollins coming out and saying he's the same gimmick as he was.
1: I I'm sorry, I, I've seen enough here, sir. The the this this stunt with your child that has been too far. All the stuff with the mysterios, I was fine with. I was willing to turn a blind eye to that. But now this thing with your daughter, it's twisted. It's gross. I, I can't stand by anymore. I, I must I must disavow.
2: Sir, I am more insulted by the fact you came out here. Without a different gimmick after a perfect chance to be repackaged, that is why I'm leaving this ring. Oh, what a lost opportunity!
1: Well, and and they teased a repackaging of him by having him come out to the actual "Burn It Down" Seth Rollins music instead of the Monday Ooh, Night we got Messiah swerved, music. Swerve, Chris, swervy, uh, swervy,
2: so, Swerve.
1: Yeah, no, and they had well, they had the the fans incredibly heard the music and they just like, they reacted to it. Like, man, it, it, it I guess sometimes you don't hear a song for so long and it just, it, it hits a crowd and it just, it speaks to their, the side guys the moment. And, and that's no, what I was where, feeling. And, oh,
2: you mean the, Python? yeah, on their screen. Crowd noise was reacting to the music. No, 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 That was, that was all
1: the microphone audio from the people watching (laughs) Uh, on the Zoom screen. Crowd
2: cheer number two. That's real. That's, that's real house. Oh my goodness.
1: That's what they really sound like. (laughs) No, I, I I mean, the whole thing's ridiculous. Uh, I actually, going back to the fake fans thing, I Roman coming out earlier uh, in the show with Paul Heyman. And them and Adam Pierce having to stop and fake like the you suck chants that are being piped in or really getting to them (laughs) was so lame. Like the most Squaresville thing. It's
2: like looking at the trophy when you're coming out for a match. Yeah, I, uh, it's Chompa, Chompa's won that trophy twice. What does he care about? The Dusty Cup. Oh my goodness. And the last note I had street profits pulling down the top rope during a match against a heel team kind of what i don't know that otis and chad otis is not I mean, a heel this is, this is chad's a heel though. right this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping
1: Yes, yes, but the hips thing has tweenered him. He hasn't been doing heelish stuff as much lately. Um, and, and while he's not fully gone babyface, it's not, yeah, I I don't know. I think the Street Profits are turning heel. I think we were getting a little bit of a tease of that on commentary. Uh, and so I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with this, and I kind of like if they are turning them heel, I like using a low bridge on Otis as the start of that arc.
2: I loved that opening sequence with Chad Gable and Angelo Dawkins, though. That thing was great. Uh, Two guys with actual amateur wrestling chops just going at it, and the smaller guy just being, you know, an otherworldly guy. It really kind of got him over, and Angelo Dawkins kind of shocked. And Montez Ford's kind of excitement. I I dug that whole thing.
1: They make Dawkins wrestle such a weird style contrary to what his actual background is. Like, they want him to do, like, jumpy stuff, and his punches have always looked nudely, but, like, he can definitely actually mat wrestle. And they should be... I I wish... I'm not going to even fail, like, I don't know why. I'm just going to put it like this. I wish that they spotlighted that element of his wrestling more.
2: I, I agree. It accentuates the string. Yep. Uh let's let's get take a pause from Stamford and hit AEW some shots. Chris, it's been two weeks now, and nobody gives a damn that Marco Stunt's been kidnapped. <laughs> I thought, if
1: I remember correctly, at some point during the AEW show, too, they sort of just backed away from the Marco stunt kidnapping arc, too. Like, they, they sort of said... No one
2: cares. He's gone. Marco
1: got away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there it was, it was a real ambivalence to it and, and, and almost an implication of, like, Marco got away, though, so it's fine.
2: No one's checked on Tully Blanchard's mental state. <laughs> to see what would possess him. To kidnap a person that no one's going to pay the ransom to. I get this. But yeah, Uh, there's a lot to like on this AEW show. Not gonna lie. I, I adored for what it was, the Layla Hirsch Thunder Rosa match because that's what I want women's wrestling to be. I want them to be two women wrestling. You can have a couple of choreographed things here and there as opposed to uh, say the dancing that goes on quite a bit. I don't mind that, but at its heart, I just want to see a good wrestling match. And this was a good wrestling match.
1: Yeah, I I'm a big fan of Layla Hirsch, uh, and I'm a fan of Thunder Rosa as well too. Uh, and this is this is a good pairing, and I I concur. I I, I just want to see a good women's wrestling match as well. Like I, I I think that there is a space for a flashy wrestler type. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I just want good product. Uh, it, it, you know, we'll talk about Mako Satamore here in a minute. Like, you know, like I just, I just want good wrestling.
2: Happy for Ryan Nemeth getting another payday. Friend of Jeff's friends. So I'm finally cheering for other people's success. I think he plays a, plays a nice role as kind of that gatekeeper heel. I I like that. I'm I'm digging what they're doing with him right now. He kind of.
1: Yeah. Like he's getting late in this show appearances. Mm -hmm. Like it's a great way to get established and there's no harm in losing to who he's losing to. And so in a way he's a heel it, but because he's having competitive enough matches against these higher card baby faces, it's establishing him as a heel.
2: And we have smart baby faces on this roster between Sammy and how he handled his quitting of the inner circle and also the entire Jeff, Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy, Adam Page, sign this, ha 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 type of thing, which are wrestling tropes. But it's nice to see that good guys know that people are trying to get one over on them and they just aren't going to have any of it. I, I, I like that as a refreshing change.
1: Yeah, my only knock uh, uh, on the inner circle stuff is it almost made MJF look stupid. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it was dumb no, it did. for MJF it did. to... Yeah, because there was actually a cameraman in there, <laughs> and, and and it's not just, oh, there was a cameraman, like, oh, we all know there's a cameraman. Like, they acknowledged the cameraman as part of the scene. And so that, that made MJF seem really stupid.
2: It would have been great if Sammy would go, there's a camera here, stupid. <laughs> just just points. At, no, like it should have just
1: ended with him pointing at the camera and just like throwing <laughs> up his hands and just be like, I can't, I can't, I gotta go. <laughs>
2: uh, and and the main event on Wednesday was my uh, sweet spot in many ways. I loved Kenta and Omega versus Moxley and Murderhawk up until the Good Brothers got involved. Up until then, what a fun brawl this thing was, I thought.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I just it, the Good Brothers stuff and you know the Omega angle is just it's Kenta has freshened it up. I I I I will grant that. Um, but like I it's sort of like saying, you know adding guacamole to this mediocre fast food has spiced up this fast food. Like, yes, obviously you've brought guacamole into the mix here, but like, you know, it's it's still what it
2: is. Mini rant incoming as we go to NXT UK. The debut and the aforementioned Mako Satomura. Let me speak on this. I don't mind all the women's vignettes this week. I think it's nice to build up that division, but... The vignettes they had were mostly meh. Mako Satamura is a rock star. I get that she, most people on WWE land and WWE UK universe don't know her. It doesn't matter that the other members of your roster are hanging out in the backstage as she comes to go through, or that Kaylee Ray is watching from the stands. It doesn't, that doesn't make her a bigger star. Putting her with Isla Dawn week one, again, I understand WWE's thinking with this. These are bigger stars than the people we're bringing in. And ergo, they should have some trouble with them when they come out and debut. Isla Dawn is week three or week four opponent. Mako Satamara should be killing someone we have no clue who she is. Perhaps someone with absolutely no value to this roster. Much like, oddly enough, Xia Lee did on the Stateside show this week.
1: I was so surprised that she didn't go up against Amel. Especially <laughs> since it's Amel's current... No, I, I'm serious. Like, Amel's a heel. Mako Satomura also quizzically presented as a babyface. When I think, you know, you want to get her over, have her as a heel. Like, and just have her murder people with those kicks. Oh, no, I think but, she's like, a babyface. She I think
2: she's an ass-kicking, grizzly veteran I, babyface.
1: I no, I know she's a babyface. That's what I'm saying. I said I'm surprised that she's not being presented as a heel. Um, and she's, she is being presented as a baby face. Okay. That's it. That's choice. Um, so in that case, Amel's the perfect candidate for her to one hit KO her, or if she's going up against Isla Dawn, who's also been generally presented as a baby face, which made this also kind of a weird choice. I still think this should have been a one hit KO situation. I think Mako Satomura's, uh, Scorpion rising, needed to be got over. It's just this devastating flash move. Like the same way the guy Cameron Grimes, we'll talk about him in a minute. The way he got his cave in over, it just, it can come out of nowhere, like an RKO or something like that. And it's just devastating.
2: Yes. I, I completely agree. Or have her get that initial barrage of kicks. Isla Dawn rolls out of the ring for a powder, comes back in and murder death. But I don't want Isla. If you see value in Isla Dawn, don't put her up week one against Mako Satamura. This is you introducing Mako Satamura. This is who she is. She's a legend, blah, blah, blah. She comes in. She does her kicks. She kicks a lot of ass. She shows you her finisher. That's her story. And now we're going to start building her. Next week, she's going to have another match against someone who's a no-name. She's going to kill that person. And then we're going to give somebody of a little bit of name value while also teasing that she's starting to build a resume up to be able to face the champion. This isn't hard, Chris. We all know this.
1: No, no, no. I I, I mean, I, I it would just popped in my head. Mako dropping Piper Niven would be a statement.
2: Yes, and you can work to that. I don't want that week one or two. And I, I want her to basically, you know, I want her to kill Nina Samuels. I know she's your favorite, but I want to see murder death on Nina Samuels. But the fact is, why is it? Isla Dawn getting the upper hand at any point on somebody's day. It was
1: so weird. I just it, it 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 was a very AEW debut match where like it's 250 50. you're like, okay, no, like one of these two competitors, whether it's a team or whether it's just a one on one match, like. AEW does the very long, like 7 or 8 minute 50-50 match when it really should be like a 4 minute 70-30 match. And that's what WWE did here.
2: It's that old WWE thinking that our people are superstars who are larger than life. And if you come in here, you are lesser than those people. So they have to get some offense on you to keep that charade, as, as, as William Regal says, going that these, these are the creme de la creme. And if you come in here as, as a legend, you're not really a legend until you've gone 50-50 with Isla Dawn in an empty arena. Good God. I was frustrated by this.
1: I, I got to correct you real quickly here. It's never empty when you're in the Thunderdome.
2: This isn't the Thunderdome in Britain.
1: <laughs> but it's never empty when you're in the Thunderdome.
2: My only other big note was on the main event. I somewhat adored this, even though I was saddened that the greatest wrestler on the UK roster, the Wild Boar, was not involved in this. But I thought, again, I will give a lot of credit for storytelling. I thought the story was quite good. They attack Hitchman in the back. They knock him out after all all the weeks of getting double teamed and knocked out. So Eddie Dennis has to fill in. Eddie Dennis is not dressed to compete, but it's a street fight. So you come as you are. He has his belt. He has the button down shirt a bit. This is a fun brawl, with the exception, maybe, of that having to stand there for a little bit while uh, Mark Andrews gets settled. And it looks like he may have either broke his jaw or he knocked a tooth or two out as he came down. His, his, his mouth hit one of the hands. And that's why he was bleeding, but the blood helped the street fight. So if he's okay with it and boy, he powered through this, I'm fine with this. I loved, loved, loved the primate's outfit for this. He came looking for a street fight as well. I think maybe uh you,
1: you could call it a gorilla assault.
2: <laughs> Big pop for that one, Chris. I enjoyed that. Um I believe that Webster had knee pads over jeans, although they were all black, so I couldn't quite tell. This was a fun little brawl all over the place and a little bit of carnage and what I want in a street fight. Was it Doom versus the Horseman? By no means. And please go watch that in honor of Butch Reed. It is a fantastic street fight. But I loved this a little bit, Chris. I did.
1: Yeah. Okay, so I... I'm not as high on it as you are, although obviously, like, you know, I love the Primate and I enjoy the hunt, of course. I really liked getting Dennis and Primate in this and sort of just switching up who the pairing is from that trio just to give us something fresh because we have seen the hunt. Versus Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. I like that it gave the baby faces a bit of like an edge going into this. It also gave them some finality when they won this too. Um, thought the match was a little bit long. Um, but uh, other than, like, dude, I mean, the work like, primate, Primate's Primates would it takes some bobsies? what he does a lot of stuff. Um, uh, and Andrew and Morgan Webster are. Great high flyers, but also have they've got more depth and more, they've got a sense of pacing. I, you know, because Mark Andrews is a veteran at this point, I think that that kind of shows he, he's a little slower, but being a little bit slower, I think, has resulted in him being a little bit more mindful about telling a coherent story. Um, and yeah, I, I like this match, man.
2: I will, I will make a rule, uh, for street fights, one of each type of move. For a wrestling move to keep the wrestling thing going. I don't mind wrestling moves. I hated kind of the choreography towards the end a bit where they're flying all over the place. The
1: shooting star, and yes. the senton at the same time, that, that's a little goofy the, in a street but fight.
2: But the brawling parts were so good and even Andrews and Webster looked like they have a little bit of brawling uh, prowess in them. So I kind of, those were the parts I was really you know, where I was like, yeah, this is what I want. I just want to see Two teams try to beat the crap out of each other because that's a street. I don't care about drop kicks. You can do a back body drop if you want. You can do maybe one dive or one. But really, I just want to see you two guys try and kill each other and make me believe it. That's all I want out of a street what, fight.
1: one small aesthetic thing about street fights that I want to see change. I want taped hands.
2: yes. Taped fists.
1: I want taped hands. I want taped, I want fists. taped hands. Yes. yes. I, I, yeah, taped fists. I yep.
2: concur. I want blue jeans. I want knee pads over blue jeans. I will take muscle shirts if you can give it to me, but if you and, want to come bare and chested. And I want
1: more punching. But yeah, tape, tape the fists up, more punching.
2: And Yes, those are the two most important things. And then if you want to add a weight belt or something, you know, some guy plans to bring a weapon with him because it is a street fight after all. So you want to do that as opposed to thinking it's a wrestling match with a gimmick i am fine with that as well but yes tape fists very very important i concur with you 100 percent. we will end with nxt and then go into our nxt takeover preview vengeance day as opposed to valentine's what is day. the
1: opposite of valentine's day
2: <laughs> uh okay i will uh boy there i have a lot of random thoughts because i had to watch this today uh number one raul mendoza is great and has been great since he was signed for the, as an alternate for the Cruiserweight Classic. I, I really enjoyed this, this match between uh, Legato Del Fantasmo and MSK, but I thought Raul Mendoza really kept it all together at some point. Uh, Chris, have we ever found out what MSK stands for? No, man,
1: they are—they've got a lot of faith in MSK, and I, I'm with you. It's like we have just completely blown past introducing these people in any meaningful way. They just did that one kind of grading promo. I didn't really like them, and now they're on their way to the finals.
2: Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, I liked the Mercedes Martinez video quite a bit. Uh, I'm 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 really kind of hyped for this triple threat. The other two were kind of repeats. I thought uh, of of other videos we've seen, but I liked that.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. I like toning the Tony storm in EO Shirai history on its ear a little bit. you know, it's, a, it's a fresh coat of paint
2: before I get off of that. I know that people hate really aren't going to like that. For some reason, uh, Roman, not Roman Mendoza uh, uh, Santos Escobar and Karrion Cross are going to have a match and it's probably going to be Karrion Cross crushing the Cruiserweight Champion in some way. I get that. I understand that. I think it'd be much more genius if somehow the Cruiserweight Champion got one over on Karrion Cross without cheating. But here's one thing you can't say. It was a logical storyline. I get that it's, a- it's Alpha Villain versus Beta Villain. I get that. I know that people want the heel-face dynamic. But Legato Del Fantasmo tried to frame Karrion Cross by using tarot cards at a beatdown. So it makes sense he's kind of pissed about that. I will, I will praise them for the logical storytelling of this, even though this reeks of Huntor wanting big guys to crush little guys to get big guys over.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, look, I like, I like the framing twist on it. I really do. I, that it's the one part that keeps me going. Oh, man, I kind of like that. I, I don't like that. Ellie Hodel Fantasma is almost certainly going to get annihilated by Karrion Cross here in this next match.
2: Yes, because I think Santos Escobar is such a star and they're not doing anything with that stardom other than, you know, occasionally coming out and, and telling his lackeys that it's okay for them to lose. That's...
1: Yeah, right, right, right. No one touches me. And, and then, like, that veneer is going to be gone because Karrion Cross is going to destroy him.
2: Uh, the Lee match is exactly what the Mako Satomura match should have been. Uh, my the <laughs> the Lucha Undergroundization of NXT though is complete with this Karen Q character. Uh,
0: my the only positive
2: <laughs> the only positive of this is if she actually turns out to be part dragon and burns Casey Catanzaro's face off at some point.
1: Yeah. No, that'd be, I want a Mortal Kombat style fatality now from uh, Tian Sha.
2: Yeah. uh, The post-match histrionics, that my jam. Again, too Lucha Underground for me. I like my NXT a little bit. More no, pure.
1: hold on. No, you got to stop with that. This, this, if this is Lucha Underground, I would have made it through about a season and a half of Lucha of the Hidden Temple. Not chance. Like, this is, <laughs> this is like a parody of Lucha Underground. And I, I want to just quote the philosopher Beth Phoenix at you real quickly Wait, here. you have
2: to scream this. Are Beth- we
1: supposed to believe that this is a 1,000-year-old dragon? <laughs>
2: It's the zombie referee. It's Eddie Dennis. The the wagon. He's a thousand years old. (laughs) The
1: wagon.
2: (laughs) I loved the Johnny Gargano, William Regal, Kushida thing. It was pure pro wrestling stupidity, and I loved every beat of it. I loved every I, like, of I
1: don't know movie. what it is about the Gargano stuff. It's so it's it's unrepentantly stupid. And like they're like a really dumb faction. But like it's fun. They're I knuckleheads. I don't know what it yes. is.
2: Yeah. Austin Theory is just a, a moron. And I love it <laughs> as a lackey. Gargano is such a fraud and everybody. He knows he's a fraud, but he's not winking and nodding into it. He's bought in to being this fraudulent flaky heel feigning injuries and trying to get one over on Regal and Regal's not having any of it. Yes, it's pure 80s wrestling stupidity and I adored it, Chris. It was every beat of it. The only thing
1: I the only thing I don't fully love yet is i don't feel like indy hartwell has gotten enough of a shine out of this i, I feel like we've really gotten austin we've gotten austin's character over at this point in the dynamic between austin and johnny and like set up that there might be a feud between them for the belt at some point here uh, i'm not sure how i feel about turning austin theory faced he just seems like a heel to me um but uh i feel like indy hartwell needs to get some shine and they need to move some more narrative through her
2: Chris, if they're going to commit to this, they have to commit to this. If they're going to womp, womp this in the end, I'm going to be very angry, but I am here for white trash with money. Cameron Grimes. I am here for this.
1: This is uh, Jeff. Let, let me tell you something, buddy. So he drew, he pulls up in that car and I'm watching here at the house, but I start immediately like spitballing and talking. I go, Oh my God. He just made all this money off of GameStop because he went to the moon because like when the whole GameStop thing was happening, I was sharing Cameron Grimes to the moon gifts um, and, and getting down on that. And then he comes to the ring and, and Jeff, he made his money off of GameStop and I was so happy. I was so happy. Stonks, this is stonks,
2: stonks, my fear. Is that this is gonna be? He misunderstood going to GameStop with owning GameStop stock.
1: No, no, no. I I want him to have never. I want him to have forgotten to sell.
2: Oh my god! And so, so he, he took bought
1: out- the stocks. It, it went to four eighty, but he didn't sell. <laughs> he just thought. And so he has all this cash. I'm good.
2: And he owes this cash to somebody, and he lost all his money. But he's been throwing it all. So he has to get it back. Okay. No, you you've. Uh, that's a good way. That's a good way to get out of this. Because I'm afraid it's gonna be a womp womp. He's a dumb hick type thing. But that's actually a smart, you're a knucklehead heel way. And I love that. that. That's a great, great suggestion. Uh, I, for one, I'm here for arcane references, so kiss my grits. Those of you who are not aware of what kiss my grits is, is from the late 70s, early 80s sitcom Alice, by one of the one of the modern-day feminist uh stalwart sitcoms about a single mother wants to break into show business, but ends up working at a diner, I believe in Arizona on her way to California. Uh, Kiss My Grits from Flo played by Polly Holiday, the sassy Southern waitress at Mel's diner. Uh, But yes, Kiss My Grits popped me. I know that a lot of, a lot of the younger viewers didn't get, but Hey, the demo of 50 plus got it. So I'm here for that.
1: This is this is their core audience here. The the, the WWE demo, uh,
2: the yeah grizzled young veterans, soon to be your WWE tag team champions, versus the grizzled old veterans, Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. Here for this match, I loved everything. About- I like
1: this match. <laughs> the GYV have been turning in good matches this whole way down, Um, like throughout the, the entirety of this tournament. They turn in good matches on a regular basis. Um, You know, they chose at least one of the two teams is the right team to be in the finals. Um, You know, and, and I guess also with the way MSK has been presented, if Grizzle Young Veterans beats MSK, you're not going to be heartbroken about that either.
2: Drake and Gibson have closed their wrestling school in the U.K., so it appears that they are here in the States for at least a good while, and I am happy about that. I I think they belong I just think they
1: hate teaching.
2: (laughs) That's also a good possibility. Some people don't love educating. Teaching is a different skill set than than anything else. That said, let's get to the one big negative for me from this NXT go-home show, and that was this go-home segment where everybody is contrived to look like they're arguing about the thing, Instead of just putting together a good video package, I hated this, Chris. It made them look stupid. All of them, including
1: people All Dunn. the stuff that really hits home that this is not live, uh, it really drives you crazy. Um, I, I mean, I, there's some things that you can't get away from, but, you know, it's Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman stopping and staring at a crowd that's not there. It's these weird mock-ups where temporally they don't even make sense because you don't see people come on or off the screen we just like cut to this moment in time at at some point earlier presumably when William Regal and you know Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm I'm just making an example here were are squaring off face to face
2: yeah <laughs> I could have seen them do it live though where it's like all right put the trophy in these two teams are okay, okay you guys clear out you two come in real quick <laughs> <laughs> the next one, the next one, the next one. Yeah, William Regal takes the trophy away. He's like, You can't have it. <laughs> they're helping clear the stage while they're doing the stand-ups in front of the ring. This this thing was terrible. It it's everything you, you hear about about WWE's phrasing and staging and oh it was but that being said, I think this takeover is gonna be pretty good. Uh uh I'm I'm geeked for it. So let's do our preview right now. The usual five-match format here, starting off with the singles match for the NXT North American Championship, representing the way, possibly my favorite heel right now, Johnny Gargano, Johnny Takeover, taking on Kushida. Chris, who do you got?
1: Oh, I think Johnny's going to win this match. I think it's going to be a fun match. I think Kushida is going to turn in Probably his best match in NXT since he's been in NXT. I'm going to be that bold. And then you might go, well, Chris, he hasn't had that many good matches. No, he hasn't. But I think he's going to switch the lights on for this one.
2: I am teasing in my mind a logic where Kushida wins this title because Austin Theory comes down to be a knucklehead. And uh, Sam Shaw, remind me of his name again.
1: Oh, uh, he's Dexter Loomis. Dexter Loomis,
2: thank you. Again, I'm old. Dexter Loomis comes in and stops Austin Theory from from doing it. Now, there's one way of doing this, and, there, and there's another way. The, the one way you could do that, he stops Austin Theory from interfering, which allows Kushida to get a clean win over Johnny Gargano for the title. One, two, three. Or you do the thing where Kushida sees Theory come down. Loomis is getting involved. Kushida dives on both of them comes back into the ring gargano catches him one two three it's gonna be one of those two things i am gonna say i think i think there's a title change here i think kishida gets it for a short time as a as a transitional champion of sorts and then we get the johnny gargano being depressed over losing the title again depression skits which will probably be funny
1: the way they have written johnny it only matters that he's in the title picture. It doesn't matter whether or not he has the belt. I'll I grant that, but I, I don't... It just doesn't seem like the time is now for him to lose the title.
2: Triple threat match for the NXT women's title. Eo Shirai, Tony Storm, and Mercedes Martinez. I love all three of these women. I love two-person combinations of all three of these women. Let's see how they do as a three, three-person thing where you do two people working with each other while one takes a nap. I think Mercedes Martinez is in here to take the fall. I think it's very possible that Tony Storm beats Mercedes Martinez so they don't have to beat Io Shirai. I think it's very possible Io Shirai ends up on the main roster after this, but you never know. Uh, I am going to say, though, that, okay, if if Gargano retains, then Tony Storm is beating Mercedes Martinez for this title. Gargano loses the title, Io Shirai will retain. What say you?
1: I feel like the title change does happen with this title. I'm going back and forth in my head <coughs> on whether it's going to be Tony or Mercedes though. Cuz I think Mercedes makes some sense as a transitional champion.
2: Okay. Transitional for uh, who then?
1: And um we are trying to build up Zia Lee. Li. Like we're trying to build heels right now. Is the only thing I'm thinking about. When you're looking at kind of the undercard, we're not building baby face challengers for Tony storm. We're trying to build heels to go up against a potential baby face. And it almost seems like, well, they certainly are kind of at least teasing a little bit. Mercedes you know, somewhere in between, not purely as a heel at this point. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say title change. Mercedes wins. Okay. I'm fine with that.
2: I'd like to see her with this title. I think she deserves
1: it. I'm kind of fine with whoever wins, yeah. but yeah.
2: And Tony has a lot of mileage to go if she was a champion too. She could really get into this heel thing, I think, and really kind of be that she could be as good as EO was as a heel champion as well, I think.
1: Uh, I, I don't just, dis- I don't, it's not a knock on her. No, when I, when not I'm at all. When i kind of assessing the ro- and my, my point was more that the roster is being built right now for a babyface champion. So it's either to me EO retains or... Mercedes wins. And I don't know, maybe that means he retains. It's weird say. because
2: they haven't been building up any other baby faces in this division other than Shotzi. And that's scary to me because you have Mercedes, you have Tony, you have Raquel Gonzalez being built up. It's just weird that we have no and real baby that faces. that
1: Mercedes Big sense is a foil for Raquel Gonzalez, yeah. too. Like, I'm kind of here for a Haas match between Mercedes and Raquel.
2: Yeah, I, I could see that. I, I'd be fine with that. Uh, we're going to do our two dusty tag matches now. I think one baby face and one heel team wins. I can see logic for either way to doing it, but let's start with the women. Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez taking on Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. The women will receive a future WWE Women's Tag Team Championship match. Now let's keep in mind that they have started an angle on this week's SmackDown. Champions right now are Shayna and Nia My Whole Jacks. But they're doing the most ridiculous story they've been doing for years now in the, on the babyface side where two people who will be fighting for a women's title team up together to take on the women's tag champions between Bianca and Sasha. The
1: whole thing was very funny. And sometimes comedy has a way of uniting people who don't necessarily see eye to eye on other things. Because like sometimes there's just a, a funny thing that is said that's so transcendent.
2: Who you got for this match?
1: Nia Jax's hole. Um, I, I, I think they want to. I think they want to make Shotzi Blackheart into a bigger thing, and they've had her doing host stuff, but she needs on-screen in-ring accolades, and so I, I think she wins. I also think we might be building to like maybe Ember turning on Shotzi at some point, so like that's the feud eventually. Uh, so I, I want to. I I gotta say that. Also, I think you know. Dakota and Raquel, I like Dakota. You know I like Dakota. This is that's not, that's not a knockout Dakota, but like WWE likes Raquel. Um, And I think they've got plans for Raquel. So I don't know. I, I think Ember and Shotzi go over here.
2: See, I agree that the WWE has plans for Raquel. And I can see Hunter tailoring programs to please Vince that they have this big, big being a bad term, but this tall, muscular woman who can also be a hoss in the ring, much like Rhea Ripley (laughs) and Bianca, which I haven't done a whole lot with other than Bianca, but Rhea Ripley is still, she hasn't been seen since the Rumble. Are you kidding me with that? So here's why I think maybe Dakota and Raquel win this. Because Vince and the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions are still his domain. Vince loves those moments. In matches where two giant women stare each other down and he would be all over that moment when Raquel Gonzalez and Nia Jax much like Tamina and Nia Jax or Rhea and Nia Jax or Rhea and Tamina you get my point he loves that moment so I could the, see
1: the Tamina stuff is the most the strongest example of this because Tamina, we've been watching this for over a decade now, and they'll do the square off, and then what ensues after that's always anticlimactic.
2: Yes, I could see that happening. I could also see the reason why I brought up the feud from SmackDown is I could see Sasha and Bianca taking the titles off of them, losing to Dakota and Raquel Gonzalez, and that then starts the animosity between Sasha and Bianca to get to the title match at WrestleMania. There's a great case for Ember and Shotzi. I think they're going to be hesitant to have somebody who was on the main roster fight for main roster titles. I know that sounds weird. Oh, boy. Who to beat here? I, I'm i going to say Raquel and, uh, and Dakota Kai win this one. I, I am. With a little bit of hesitancy in there because of my overview of what the men's match is going to be. We'll go into that. MSK, Nash Carter, and Wesley taking on the grizzled young veterans soon to be your WWE Tag Team Champions or NXT Tag Team Champions James Drake, <laughs> James Drake James Drake and Zach Gibson winner will receive a future NXT Tag Team Championship match the Tag Team Champions currently being Oni Lurkin and Danny Birch. that being said I think MSK goes over here I think the grizzled young veterans deserve this win after being in the finals last year but I think they actually do the thing where they put over the young, hot tag team as opposed to, man, what a great run. We're going to beat them in the finals and now they're going to be stars. I don't have full faith in that. Again, I could see this going the reverse way for both matches, but I think MSK plays a much better foil to Birch and Lorkin, and I don't see them losing the titles anytime soon. Chris, your thoughts?
1: Yeah, uh... That The Berks and Lorkin wrinkle hurts because I do not think that MSK is ready for bigger and better things. And when you say WWE is finally going to do the thing where they reward the hot young team, I go, well, the implicit conceit there is that this is a move that WWE doesn't make. And especially when you have Grizzled Young Veterans right there why not just make them and give them this win and put them into the title picture? And you know, like a heel versus heel thing between Birch and Lorkin and grizzly young veterans is fine. And if you want to get the belts off of Birch and Lorkin, frankly, that's fine too. Cause I gotta be honest, the done Birch and Lorkin package does nothing. Like, there's no mojo there. It's all McAfee. McAfee's the guy who makes all that stuff work. And, like, they, they just feel adrift as a faction without McAfee there. So, if McAfee's not available, let's move Birch and Lorkin on from this gimmick that they're doing.
2: I like the idea of MSK taking the titles off of Birch and Lorkin, and then the grizzled young veterans almost immediately taking them off of MSK. I know or that's not ordinarily a, a good threat. thing. Yeah, that too. I, I know... A double a draw so they both get the title match.
1: What if uh Birch and Lorkin interrupt the finals of like okay, here's a fun finish. Have McAfee crash takeover and interrupt <laughs> the finals of the Dusty Cup and, and it ends with him screaming, yeah, you suck, into the camera as the closing promo. I think
2: that's way too main roster. I think people would rebel against that. I I, I have McAfee interfering in the in the main event though, Chris. So he <laughs> stole my thunder just a little bit, but I like that. I see. I I don't mind because obviously they don't mind putting heel team versus heel team because they had Imperium and Everrise rules. And they had Everrise rules with the grizzled young veterans at some point. So I don't mind a grizzled young veterans versus Birch and Lurkin thing. That that wouldn't be bad in my estimation. But I, I no, just... I
1: I don't see why not. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it's very confusing to me. I know you don't ordinarily take a, take titles off of a babyface team immediately after having them win, but it would be such a grizzled young veterans thing to do as well. But the grizzled young veterans were here last year in the finals. If they go to the finals twice in a row without winning it, I think there's something wrong with that too. You got me over. Yeah, that that feels
1: weird. Yeah, no, it feels weird. And, And here's the other thing too, in terms of pairing Gibson with whoever Zach Gibson can get heel heat on anyone. Like you get the most unpopular person in America and Gibson can get heel heat on him.
2: So, I think I'm still going to stick with MSK reluctantly. Who you got?
1: I'm going to stick with the Crystal Young Veterans winning this. And I am yeah. fine
2: with either scenario because I love I'm not Crystal- fine with
1: MSK being made. I I I am not sold on them yet.
2: They could always lose the tag titles or the tag match going in. That'll I know, they could.
1: Yeah, they could. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just I don't know. I I didn't think they yeah. In
2: what I in what I think is going to be a fantastic match. Probably marred by overbooking at some point with the Undisputed Era and whatever this crew of Dunn and and uh one and two are. Finn Balor taking on Pete Dunn for the single for, for a single smash. Pete Finn Balor <laughs> versus Pete Dunn for the NXT Championship and probably the right to be destroyed by Carrion Cross in a post match beatdown. Chris, do they switch the title off of Pete Dunn? Does Finn Balor keep this? Does someone turn on Finn Balor? Does Pat McAfee come back and interject himself into this whole thing? What say you?
1: I don't think Pete Dunn wins the title um I I don't I it would be an interesting move, but then, as you said, Carrie Cross is clearly trying to get into the title picture and the most sort of interesting pairing for cross visually is sort of like Balor versus cross. Cause Balor does kind of come off as, you know, it, you could even bring back the demon, you know, actually have Balor be the demon and, you know, bring out his venom character. But, you know, Karen cross does come off as the comic book, sort of like heel villain for Balor to go up against. And I think they could have a good match. Uh, I mean, I think Dunn and cross could have a good match too, but Dunn's just being booked as a heel right now. And, and to your point, they're not against that, but I there's, they the way they like booking Karrion Cross with like the spooky Ookie stuff, um, you need certain wrestlers to do that sort of angle with, and like Balor lends himself to the spooky ookie stuff, and so does uh, Santos Escobar in a way that Pete Dunn's character doesn't.
2: Pete Dunn ain't taking that crap.
1: <laughs> right he he's just as likely to you know throw a kick and knock out scarlet
2: <laughs> he shrugs his shoulder and then like breaks scarlet's fingers and the fingernail thing that she wears on there yeah i can i can see that um, i think finn balor wins i think probably with the help of the undisputed era getting interference out of the way and while they're fighting on the outside after the pin Karrion cross comes in and belly-to-backs Finn Balor in some way or whatever the hell he does w- with his move. But, uh, and that's going to be the, uh, that's going to be the takeaway from that is the setup for the next feud. But I have Finn Balor retaining as well. Uh, let's end it there. This has been Shake Them Ropes. You can follow me at Crap Game 13 You can follow Chris at DWATG. That's short for Don't Worry About the Government. You can just follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. We are part of the Voices of Wrestling Network. Every show for almost every single promotion in the world. Some I've never even heard of, to be honest with you. But we have the flagship. We have everything elite. We have music of the mat. We have open the voice gate. Uh, wrestling omakaze, Whatever your wrestling picadillos are, we got a show for them more than likely. Chris, tell them about your side projects.
1: Yeah, Don't Worry About the Government is my flagship show, Jeff, and you can find that at don'tworry.tv on iTunes, on Stitcher, and at Patreon.com slash DWATG, where we do a video version of it. Um, We're putting them out now kind of like every Sunday, um, and then most weeks, many weeks, in the middle of the week as well, but every Sunday kind of is a week in review in the news. So if you want to catch up. On the news and uh, for whatever reason, meet the press with Chuck Todd is just not doing it for you anymore. Don't worry about the government's (laughs) got you covered, brother. Go and check it out over at Don't Worry.tv. See, that was a good plug. I popped Jeff. Uh, That's that's called quality radio. Chuck Todd sucks.
2: Hopefully by this time next week, I will have some sort of traction on the peacock job. Thank
1: you. Oh, you're going to have traction. All right, pal. (laughs) In
0: traction.